Okay. Are we ready for the word now? Well, ready or not, you're going to get it. Now, I, I have another situation where I thought for sure, I mean, I was totally convinced that we were going to finish 1 John today. We have verses, chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. And I said, I, I said, Lord, I don't know if I have enough material to make it through a sermon. Well, we got through about a third of it this morning. So now I have to do the same thing again here. Don't ask me how that's going to happen other than the Lord, because that's what it was in the first place. And then, uh, now next week, we're having a visitor come to, to speak to us. He's an a international Gideon person. Uh, Trevor Johns is his name. So he's already on the, on the agenda to come next week. So it'll be two weeks from now that we hopefully maybe finish 1 John chapter 5. But then there's also 2 John, and then there's 3 John that we're going to get into after we finish with that. Everyone with me? All righty. Well, why don't we stand together as we read the word today? We haven't done that in a long time. Take your Bible, 1 John chapter 5. And after I read this, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to include a little prayer for the wisdom and knowledge about the service time change. Okay, 1 John 5, verse number 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, if you didn't hear the previous messages, that may have put a little something in your spirit right there, but we'll talk about it. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we we get to the last section of this wonderful epistle, we pray for your Holy Spirit to teach us, show us the things that we need to know this day. And uh, Lord, in, in in the... a proclamation and preaching of your word today. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted and honored and glorified. You would be happy with the, with the telling forth of your word and that we would receive it and apply it to our lives and not only be hearers, but to be doers of your word. So Lord, anoint me with your spirit to bring it out the way you want. Anoint everyone who's hearing this this message, whether here or online or later on video, let everyone receive what we need to receive to be better for it. And we thank you and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, also I want to pray, Lord, that you would give us the uh, confirmation as we put a fleece before you. Lord, should we change the time of the service for the overall betterment of the fellowship? Uh, Lord, we're leaning that way. We just want your stamp of approval. So we just pray about it today and and pray, Lord, in the next couple of days, you just confirm it in all of our hearts that this is the right way to go. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. So those of you on live stream, you're going to have to get up a little bit earlier to watch the live stream. But that's all right. I think you could do that. Okay, so... I've entitled this message, The Final Word. Because I really thought this would be the final message of the, anyway. (laughs) And I'll tell you what the final word is. The final word is in verses 18, 19, and 20. The final word is, we know. And John spends a lot of time talking about what we know, or what we should know. And so, I want to talk about this. Uh, If you remember uh, the last several weeks, when we were in verses 6 through 13. We had four sermons on that passage, but um, six times the word witness is used in those verses. So the name of that, those sermons were, can I get a witness? This passage has the phrase, we know. Now I use the New King James, as you know. You may have NIV. I didn't check to see, but do your verses start with the words we know? Whatever translation you have, I think they do. So, so he's using th- this phrase, we know. And um, I, I think that John, in, in, in his conclusion, 
He's focusing on some absolute like authority and truth and conviction that we know that we know that we know. And look back at verse number 13 real quick. He wrote earlier, he said, these things we're writing to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, that you may uh, know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So there's a little connection between verse 13 and, and these concluding verses, 18, 19, and 20. But remember, when we started this epistle, with this study of the, this epistle several months ago, we talked a lot about how John was combating the teachings of the Gnostics. And you may remember the word Gnosticism or Gnostics, that's where we get our word knowledge or to know from. So I don't think it's a coincidence that he's using the words in verse 13, 18, 19, and 20, we know, we know, we know, we know, to combat the false teaching that salvation is earned by knowing about God. When he knows that it's way more than that. So the, the Gnostics at this time were a sect of Christians. Uh, by the second century, they were classified as heretics. They were excluded. But they believed in head knowledge. I think it was probably a form of humanism, which says that basically man is okay without what Jesus did on the cross. We don't need that. Man is okay without all that, to which we say that's for us stored in heaven. So as a forerunner to humanism, uh, John is addressing uh, the, the heretics the, uh, of, of the Gnostics. Um, now I want to go to another passage right here. Uh, if you would turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it's a kind of a long thing, but uh, Paul gets into this same topic because there seems to have been uh, a struggle, as there is today, actually, between man's knowledge and God's knowledge. You know, a lot of people in the world today have a lot of knowledge, you have to admit, but it's not God's knowledge. And they think that they're okay without God's intervention in their lives. And Paul addresses in his concluding remarks in First uh, John. So 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse number 7. Just listen closely to this. Now, I'm reading from the uh, New King James. I'm going to start at verse number 6, actually. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, and he's quoting from Isaiah 64, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I know that's a lot right there, but what, what John is more or less piggy, piggybacking on here is that we have a spiritual wisdom and knowledge we know that we know. And for anyone that comes along and tells you or tells anybody there's a different way to subvert the cross, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And the whole world gravitates towards that to avoid that. 
And so John is addressing this then, and really the church is addressing the whole thing today in a, in a different way. So we believe and we know, uh, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 2, we receive the spirit that we might know the things given to us by God. We're not just all of a sudden smart enough. It's not like we read a book and we have this knowledge and now we get it. No, we're enlightened. When we said yes to the Lord, when we received Christ as our Savior, guess what? The light went on. And we have an understanding, we have an awareness that we're born again into the kingdom of God. And it's not anything we've done. This is the whole message of the cross. It's because of what he did for us. So we have this enlightenment. We have this new life because of what Christ has done for us. It's not by getting smarter or learning more. So John concludes this, this epistle by, by highlighting the idea that God is light, God is love, and God is life. And he invites everyone, everywhere, to partake of this through Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the only way we're going to get there. So, with that introduction, we're going to go verse by verse through this. And uh, like I said, we only got through two verses, but we'll see what happens right now. So, verse number 18, he's saying, we know... And keep in mind, he's letting other people know who think they know. No, we know. You think you know, but I'm telling you, we know what's going on. So he says, we know that whoever is born of God. First of all, I want to just say that our Christian faith is a whoever faith. It's whoever turns to God, he accepts. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or how good you've been. Whoever turns to the Lord, he would accept. I just want to stress that. It's a whoever faith. It's available for anyone and everyone. Every tongue, every tribe, every generation, every culture, every nation is invited to be born of God. In other words, the Lord is inviting us to sit at his table. It doesn't, there's no prerequisite. The only prerequisite is to come to a place in your life where you realize, I'm a sinner, I, I need help. And when we humble ourselves before God, we receive the Lord, we, we, we come into the table to have fellowship with him. You know these scriptures, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that whosoever, right? 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. In verse 18, whoever is born of God. I just want to emphasize the fact, if you have someone in your life that is not walking with God, that person is eligible, Everyone is eligible to walk with God. I know that this puts a whole slant and closes the door on predestination. I don't believe it. Well, in a sense, I believe everyone is predestined to serve the Lord, but everyone has to make a decision to serve the Lord. I don't believe that some people are predestined to serve the Lord and God preordains someone not to serve the Lord. I don't see that in the Word. But we, 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 there's a predestination for all of us, but we have to make that decision to follow the Lord. Peter said, 1 Peter 1, 23, we're born again by the word of God. John said, uh, Jesus said, actually, in, in response to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, how does someone gain eternal life? Well, you must be born again. Well, born of water and born of spirit. In other words, born naturally and then born again through the Holy Spirit. So uh, this is an interesting verse for me, verse number 18. We know that whoever. So right there, we, we have to think about the whoever's in our lives. I mean, I, I tell you this story. I've told you this before. Uh, there, I've had a couple of whoever's in my life that I wished weren't in my life, but later I realized they were in my life for a reason. They would rub me the wrong way. Can I get an amen right there? Yeah, anyone have a whoever like that? I, you know, I have a couple of whoever's. Some are in my family. Some are just around. But I have to remember, whoever is eligible. Forget about what I think or you think. That person that rubs you the wrong way is eligible for the kingdom of God. I told you this story. We had, we had a prison ministry at a previous church many, many years ago. And I volunteered for the prison ministry. Only one other guy volunteered for the, for the prison ministry. This is the one guy in the church. I wasn't on staff yet. I was just attending. This is the one guy in the church that rubbed me the wrong way. And he, he and I were designated for prison ministry. I said, Lord, why did you bring him into this? But after, after uh, really, after a short while, I realized he's in this for, me, for my sake. 
to, to change my heart. It was a good, turned out to be a great guy and a great relationship. I'm just saying, there are some whoever's in our lives that we may question, why are they in my life? But we have to remember, they are absolutely eligible for the kingdom of God. So it says in verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God, you know, born again of God, does not sin. Oh, here we go again with that phrase. And you know, John has to, this has to be explained because don't raise your hand, but who doesn't sin, you know? So verse 16, we talked about it in depth last week. There are some sins that lead to death, some sins that don't lead to death. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't want to go through the whole sermon again, but there's some things that we do that we nip, that we cut, that we break, that we stop, that we put under the blood immediately, and they don't lead anywhere. But there's other sin that we live in, we embrace, we like it, we, we, you know, it's part of us. That will lead to death. So John is saying, we, whoever is born of God does not sin. But let, let's go back here. Look, go to 1 John chapter 1. You know this. 1 John 1, verse number 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse number 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. But verse number 9 is our old faithful standby. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if we're born of God, if we're born again by the Holy Spirit, whoever we are, whatever our inclinations are, whatever our past has been, whatever our specialized sin area was, whatever it was, we're born again, we're a new creation, and we don't live there anymore. Can I get an amen? We've had a life change. Now, I'm not saying we don't visit every now and then. We probably do, but we don't live there. And when we, if we do visit there, we're, we're convicted wholeheartedly by the Holy Spirit. We confess and move on, and we don't dwell in it anymore. And that cycle may repeat itself until Jesus comes back, but that's part of the battle we're in. We don't live there, and it doesn't control us. We control our response to it. But so we don't sin. Okay, so we, we move away from it. And, uh, but then it says this. It says in verse number 18 again, uh, whoever is born of God. So a couple of things. The whoever is important. Being born of God is important. So let me ask the question before I run right by it. Being born of God is absolutely essential. Absolutely. Some people try to have a relationship with God without being born again. We use that phrase. Jesus said it, John 3, 3. You must be born again. He said it twice. But some people try to have this relationship with God in their old man. And, and, and it's, as good as, it's as good as it could get, but it's not, it's not the ideal situation. It's not, it doesn't produce eternal life. So that's the first thing. The first thing is whoever... So this is something, uh, well, now that I'm into this, I might as well share this part. But the whoever had, had great implication for me. Because, you know why? Because in my life and in my family, we were a really good family. I would have never thought any of us needed to get, I didn't even know what saved was. We were good. We were well-known and well-liked. Upstanding people in our community. <laughs> and it was yours truly that got radically saved, and, and everyone's saying, what, what happened to him? <laughs> well, I'm a whoever that had to get born again because I realized my life circumstances were telling me I can't live based on my family. I, I, I have to live my life, and that's not happening with me. I need something more than that. I know a lot of families that, you know... Not to be critical, I mean, a strong family unit is essential, believe me, but that's not going to produce salvation. And so there needs to come a point where we, we recognize whatever, that's not good enough. My education's not good enough. My money's not good enough. Nothing's going to get me to heaven. I must be born again. And if that's a sincere event in your life, it will have a ripple effect across your family, guaranteed. My family's still thinking about it. Still pondering, what happened to Ricky? <laughs> born again. Whoa, born again. The, the course of my life changed. 
So, so then, okay, so whoever, and we're born of God, we're born again. We'll have an opportunity at the end of the service for anyone here that needs to become born again. But then we don't sin, any, we don't live in sin anymore. That's a very important component of this scripture. We're called out of this rat race. We're called out of the lifestyle that we had before. And, and like I said, but like John is saying, you read chapter 1, if we do sin, and we will sin, but we don't live in the sin. We, we confess it and renounce it and move on and plead the blood. But then it goes, but he who has been born of God, two words, keeps himself or herself. He who is, who, who is born of God doesn't sin, but keeps himself. Keeps himself. Oh, so there's this word responsibility now. I've got, I've got to take care of this thing that I got. Right? Paul wrote in another place, he said, uh, we have this gift of salvation in earthen vessels. In other words, we have this supernatural spiritual gift. We're forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, abiding in our spirit, but we're still in flesh and blood, living it out in real life. So now, now that we have this, we have to keep ourselves. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion is this. Visit the orphans, take care of the widows, and stay unspotted from the way of the world. So there's a calling upon us to separate ourselves from the sinfulness or the whatever, the, the way of the world. We're a different breed of people. Peter addresses that too. Once we were not a people, now we are a people. We, we are, we are uh, he says, a peculiar people. We're, we're a distinct people because we're different. I think sometimes in our modern day evangelicalism, the, the line of are you in or out is so blurred, you can't tell who's what anymore by the lifestyle we all, not, not we, but people live. But a Christian lifestyle is a different type of a lifestyle. And if we're not there yet, we, we strive to get there. It's kind of like tithing, by the way. Just thought of it right now. Like some people say, you, what is tithing? Well, tithing is giving 10% of your income. And most people say, what? And so, well, that may be foreign to you, but it's something you work up to. You know, you, you read it, you understand it, you, you start to practice it. And just like a life of holiness is something to aspire to. We may not think we have to change anything, but if we allow the Holy Spirit to search our heart, search our mind and our spirit, he'll tell us what changes we need to make to be a holy vessel. And Why would, does he want us to be a holy vessel? Well, he's holy. We have better fellowship when we're holy, or at least trying to be. And when we're a holy vessel, we're used for, it says, for honor. He uses us to advance his kingdom. How many people here have somebody in your life that's not a Christian? All of us do. And, and so we're the vessel that God wants to use. But if we're all cluttered and clouded up and bogged down with our own sins and problems, I'm not sure what good we're going to do being a witness for the Lord. But anyway, John is saying here, if, if, you, if you're born of God, you know, you don't, you're not living in sin, and you keep yourself. You keep yourself. So it's an awesome responsibility. Colossians 3 says things like, put on Christ, put off the old man, put on the new man. You do it. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your salvation. Work it out. I remember first reading that many years ago, and I wondered, what do you mean, work it out? And then I thought, well, okay, I have to think about this and figure out ways to, 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 be, to stay right with God. And, and when I do that, and when you do that, guess what? It works out of our system, too. And the Lord wants us to be free of whatever. The freer we are, the more usable we are for him. So we have what we call church life. We have preaching and teaching. We have Bible studies. We have Worship times and prayer times and fellowship times and live streams, all these different things that we do. And this is all to kind of enhance the, 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 the importance of keeping ourselves. We are different than the people in the world, the unsaved people in the world. 
In fact, we're, we're called by the Lord not to have intimate fellowship with people outside of the body of Christ. But we have to be careful there. We can't uh, ignore people. Jesus ate with sinners, and we must do the same. We must work in whatever we do with the unsaved, but we influence them. They don't influence us. And so the Lord is calling us to step it up. So, and then so, that, so we have all these things in place. And I'm so glad to tell you that church was never any pastor's idea. It's God's idea. Fellowship, the gathering of the saints. That's God's idea. It's all over the word of God. The people of God gather together. They, that, that's what they would do. And so I always encourage people, find the church and gather together with people of like faith and, 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 and express yourself in that context of people that, that you could share your heart with and they don't know what you're talking about. And the opposite side of that is, the danger of that is, however, that sometimes we may do all those things and forget the most important thing, that it's the Spirit of God that gives us the strength through those things. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it many times. People are so busy with church, they forget about the Lord that we serve. But they're doing church stuff, and they're always, you know, always around, whatever, but, but there's never that personal time to get alone with God. And we need all of that. We need all of that. So then, okay, so then that's verse 18. Then, okay, the end of verse 18 really, really got me. When I first read this, I said, Lord, I don't know. It says, look, whoever comes to the Lord, whoever is born again, doesn't sin, and they keep themselves. Oh, got that. But then in that, that context, it says, then the wicked one does not touch him. Oh, boy. Now we're getting into something. I mean, who doesn't feel evil around? I do all the time. In fact, I have some stories to tell you. I, you heard about the raccoon, right? Oh, man. I was going to the office last week about 7 o'clock at night. And, and, and my dear wife was looking, hi, Pamela. She was looking out the window and, and saw me walking over there. The office is over there. And on, on, on that roof was a humongous raccoon getting ready to pounce on me and devour me. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> she caught it on video. That thing was like evil. It was an evil thing. I thought it was evil. Just reminded me of the, the battle we're in. Listen, I, I've seen a lynx outside. You know what a lynx is? One of those wild cats? I've seen a fox about two, two or three weeks. I saw a fox run right in front of me, right in front of the church. And last night, Pamela, I, I'm sorry I have to say this, I was typing my outline for James for today. I'm not kidding you. There was a centipede. You know what a centipede is? This was, a, this was like a hyper breed. This was like this long and like that fat with a million legs on it looking at me like, ah. It almost knocked me off my chair. And I squished him between my notes and my Bible. Then I had to clean up the mess. Terrible. But it, all that reminded me. I don't know. Someone, someone wrote me and said, yeah, sometimes Satan comes in the disguise of an animal. I said, oh, man, I'm really in trouble if that's the case. But anyway, there, there are evil forces, you have to admit, that want to disrupt what we're doing. And uh, I think those are just reminders for me to, to be aware of the, of the invisible things that are out there. But anyway, verse 18 tells us that if we're, if we're born of God, if we're striving to live a holy life, we're not sinning, we're not living in sin, and we're keeping ourselves, in that context, the wicked one can't touch us. Now, that doesn't mean he's not around. It means that he can't affect us. And I, I like that. I, now I like the verse. I, I see the value of this verse. So James 4, 7 says, you probably know, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If you don't resist the devil, he'll pounce on you and get you. How can I say it? We have to resist. You know, then you say, well, why doesn't God do it? Well, God gave you all the tools you need to resist. So resist in the name of Jesus. That's why we're singing before, uh, there's no other name. Man, say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. We're in a temptation or a struggle or a bind or something's going on and you're feeling yourself you know, losing your wits. Say the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 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 So 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, 
walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But here's the thing. If you're born of God, if you're striving and keeping yourself, he can't touch you. He may be around you. He can't touch you. Ephesians 6.11, talking about the spiritual armor. Put on the spiritual armor. Uh, that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we, 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 we protect ourselves from the evil one. I think of um, stories in the Bible, like Moses. It says Moses uh, rejected the pleasures of Egypt to run after God. Joseph rejected the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife to keep himself right with God. Even Daniel, we're studying Daniel on Wednesday nights. What a great study that is. But Daniel had all these visions and dreams and knowledge and all these things. And he was elevated to such a high position in the Babylonian government. But he never once had an ego problem. Never once had a pride problem. We don't know that he did anything wrong, although he did repent of sin in one of the chapters. But these are people that have kept themselves and as we keep ourselves, yeah, the enemy may attack, but can't touch us. We may feel him, sense him, we may be aware, but he can't, he can't consume us because we're in the protective hand of God. And that is really, really important for us to understand. So, that's verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God doesn't sin. You know what that means. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. Let me, if we don't keep ourselves, guess what? We're probably going to be living in the sin that will lead to death if we don't keep ourselves. I've seen it happen. And the wicked one does not touch him. Powerful verse. Isn't that a powerful verse? I mean, when you think, when I first read it, I said, okay, Lord, where are we going with this? But now that I get into it, this is a very powerful verse of scripture. And it starts from the beginning we must be born again. We must be born again. And the end of that is, now that we're born again and we're living in this corrupt world, we need the Spirit of God to protect us from the attack of the enemy. Look at verse number 19. We know that we are of God. Okay, do you know that you're of God? Like, does everyone know, those of you at home, do you know for sure, without a doubt, that you're of God? Romans 8, 16 says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Wonderful thing to, to have. I remember back in the day, you know, my first year or two of salvation, Pamela and I got saved at the same time, and there was definitely this witness in our heart that we were children of God. Absolutely, there was a confirmation. We sensed it. We felt it. We knew we were different. We knew everything was different. It was great. It was wonderful. But let me tell you what goes on now that I'm a little bit older than that. Life happens. And sometimes, you know, you think, well, God, are you listening to me? God, am I still your child? Why did this happen? Why did this, you know... Why a premature death in the family? Why a rebellious child? Why whatever? Am I still yours? That's why this daily walk is so important. Because life is going to happen. If it didn't happen to you yet, it's going to happen. When the proverbial bottom comes out. And you're left holding the back saying, Lord, where are you? There's got to be something within you that says, I'm still a child of God. And I'm still standing here. And so whatever that takes, but when you're born, when you're truly born again, you have that conviction. I had it. I had it for a long time. And then, then life happened. And I started, not that I ever ran away, but I started to question, Lord, are you still with me here? But see, if we're keeping ourselves, if we're not indulging in sin and living in sin, if we're, if we're striving to live a godly life, the wicked one can't touch us. And we have that conviction no matter what happens. I'm a child of God. What if we were living in the Ukraine right now and our church got bombed or whatever? What would we say then? Lord, where are you? No, those Christians over there, like in many places of the world, they have to have such a strong conviction. My life may be destroyed, but my God is still my God. Not, not, that's a, a sign of maturity right there. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, we read it earlier, I'm writing to the mature that could get this. So yeah, you, you know, we live in this prosperity age of evangelicalism and 
name it and claim it and all this stuff. Well, you know what? What if that doesn't happen? Then what are you going to do? What are you going to do when your, 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 your spouse cheats on you and leaves and you're left holding the bag? What are you going to do when you lose your job and you have all these bills to pay? You don't know. Is God not your God anymore? You see, but, but we know that we're of God. Now, I don't know what was going on when he wrote this in what, 60 AD, 70, whenever he wrote this. They were probably getting ready to be persecuted, these Christians. So what he's saying is if you're waiting in line to be fed to the lions, guess what? You're still a child of God. What a thing to think about, but you have to think about it. We get upset if, you know, the light doesn't change on time. I'm going to be late. Lord, you don't love me anymore. You know, I, like I want all this stuff, and it's so irrelevant in the big picture. So do you know that you're a child of God? This is the question. If you don't know, you need to know. So if we need to have a conversation, let me know. I'll be happy to talk to you. But, but we, we know that we're of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Wow. Well, no wonder why everything's a mess. We think it's always God's fault. You know, Jesus said of Satan, he called Satan the, the, uh, the ruler of the world. Paul called Satan the prince of the ages. And Peter said to the Christians, you're, you're sojourners, you're only passing through. You really don't even belong here. Your residence is in glory. You know, your home is in heaven. And so, so yeah, I, I know, we know we're a child of God, and we also know that this whole world system is under the sway of, the influence, the power of the wicked one. And I just want to close with a few more things because this is where I was in the early service. But I wonder if you could feel the sway of the wicked one. Can you feel the sway of it? Can you feel it in, and I'm not being, I'm just saying, can you feel it in politics? Can you feel it in the educational system? We have some teachers here. Can you, can you feel it in, in history? Can you feel it in social services? Can you feel it in business and social media? Everything is basically corrupt. <laughs> and, and, and we're living in this world. We know we're of God, and we know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, my goodness, what a thing that, that we are right here. Thus, the value of what we're doing right here, right now, hearing the word of God. Thus, the value of worshiping the Lord for what, 40 minutes earlier? Some people are saying, man, that's too long of a worship time. Oh, really? I don't think so. I don't think so. Whatever it takes to get there. And, and you know, so, oh, but I had to get home. Well, whatever. We have a spiritual life. We have a spiritual, we're a spiritual being that needs to be fed the word and the presence of God. Who knows what you're going to face this afternoon or what I'm going to face. I have some things lined up I have to take care of, but only God knows what's going to happen. I need all the God I could get. I don't know about you. I don't know what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow. Who knows? Only God knows. You know, Sandy Bistany, you know, her sister passed away. She's in her 50s, had back surgery. She was rec recuperating. I don't, something happened. I don't know if she got an infection or what happened, but she died like three days later. Totally unexpected. You know, we, we think about these things. At the same time, we get these praise reports. Someone got healed. Someone's, someone had three months to live, had cancer. Now they're, they're perfectly fine. I've heard that like three or four times in the last two months. It's amazing what, what God does. Who can understand what he does and why he does what he does? Why did my sister pass at what, age 57, my brother at age 19, and I'm still standing here, my mother's 95? Why? Only God knows why. All we know is I'm a child of God, and the world is under the sway of the wicked one. And you can put everything in there, disease, uh, financial ruin, immorality, whatever you want to throw in there, it's all under the sway of the evil one. But Jesus has come to break that off. To break it and to set us free. So 
listen, and, and we're all guilty of this. And I, I remember seeing this skit many years ago. This, this brother was, had a, a skit about, about being set free of chains and sins and problems. And he went through all these, like, uh, it was like a, a pantomime, like a, a human video. And he was, he was emptying his bag and putting it all down at the cross. And he would walk away, and all of a sudden he, he was stuck. And he had a rope, and it was, so he would untie it and go back and walk away. I get a little, another, he would be stuck again to something else. So we're in this thing where we have the victory, but we don't have the victory because part of us doesn't want the whole victory. You see what I'm saying? Because we like our sin. We like our whatever, whatever it is. We like that mindset. We like that fleshly thing. And you know what? We're all guilty of it, so don't point any fingers. Every one of us has it. It's called the sin problem. But Paul wrote in, in uh, Colossians, he says, those of you that are serving Christ, you've crucified your flesh. But it's not a one-time deal. You have to continue to crucify your flesh. That's what's under the banner of keeping yourself. So I'm going to stop right there, and there's a lot more to go, but uh, and we'll get into verse 20 and 21 next time. So... Next week, we have a visitor coming. The week after, we'll continue this. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? Why don't we stand together? And uh, I just want to pray. And I want to go back to verse 18 because it says, whoever, whoever is born of God. You may be at home today watching this. You may be watching this later in the week, and you're a whoever. We're all a whoever, but you may be a whoever that never surrendered to the Lord. There may be somebody here today that never really surrendered. Or you may be like my friend who had the the, uh, human video where he surrendered, but he was attached to a couple of things. I forget how that one ended, by the way. I want to say it ended in victory, but I don't remember. Every head bowed for just a moment. I I want to ask you this. If you are a whoever who has not yielded to the Holy Spirit, today can be your day, but it's up to you. Just like everyone here, I did, everyone here, we we had a decision to make one day when someone asks us the question, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to admit that you need help? Do you want to admit that you're a sinner? Do you want to admit that Jesus is who he said he was? And if you could say that, yeah, I do, I want to do all of that, then you're the one that needs to, needs salvation today. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if this is you. Now, now, you may have done this once or twice or ten times, but you never fully gave it up. And today you sense you have to give it up. Because, you know why? Because you know it's killing you. And you know you're not living where you should be living or how you should be living. You know that in your heart. So, is there anyone here that's a, that is a whoever that feels the pull of the Holy Spirit right now to stand up and say, I need Jesus to be my Savior. Anyone? Raise your hand and raise it raise it high so I can see. Thank you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus. And I'm not, afraid. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm happy about it. I need Jesus. Yes? Yes, over there. Anybody else? Listen, don't leave here. This is your moment. This is your moment. spotlight's on you. The Holy Ghost is on you. You can't leave it. You can't get away. He's going to follow you. You hear about the Holy Ghost blues? Your life may be miserable until you surrender to the Lord. He's chasing you. Somebody, he's chasing you. So that's number one. In fact, if that's you, you can make your way up here and kneel down. Second thing is this. You have to be brave for this one. There's stuff in your life that if you don't take care of it, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you spiritually. 
may kill you physically too, but I'm talking about spiritually. There's something in your life and you're saying, you're saying, I know what you're saying. I can't go up there. Well, my response to that is yes, you can. Because we're all in the same boat. I would say I have many times made that long walk to the altar when everyone's looking, oh, look at that guy. I didn't care. I did not care. I wanted more of God than I did man's approval. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. I'm a Christian, but I'm not sanctified. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is church. This is church. It's not three songs, a little sermonette, and a prayer and goodbye. That's not it. This is church. When we get real with God, and God is real to us. I told you all, one Wednesday night service many, 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 many years ago, I was living in another state. Wednesday night service, this guy came up and the, the, the pastor said, if you got anything on you, you want to get rid of? Somebody brought up cigarettes. Someone may have brought up a bottle. Someone put a, a pistol on the altar. Didn't want the pistol anymore. A, dem- a, a demonstration of a change. Is that too radical today? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, but maybe culturally, do people do that anymore? I don't know. Do churches do that anymore? I would. All right, so taking care of the sin problem, keeping yourself. Got to keep yourself. And then the last part of that verse 18 is is that the wicked one uh, can't touch us. So the thing is, are you feeling like you're touched by the wicked one? And maybe you are. But that may be because of your own lifestyle. And you open up a door. We need to shut that door. We need to shut that door. So I, the, third, the third call is, is, is anyone... I mean, I told you my stories about the animals. I, I'm reminded there are spiritual forces out here. There are. But if you are feeling harassed or bothered or, or hindered in your walk by demonic forces. You need to come up here and let us pray over you. That's church too, by the way. You need to pray. We need to pray over you. God would break that. Break that. going to pray before we pray Doug could you lead us in a song and let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart before we close this out today oh God let's let the words of this minister to us Jesus all I once held dear built my life upon all this world reveres and was to
ask everyone to gather around this altar like we used to do. Remember? Like we used to just gather around this altar. We're, I'm going to ask Brother Doug to lead us one more time. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart. Listen, we're bringing back altar time here. I told you there's more healing at an altar time than a million hours with a psychiatrist. It's true. You're the best. 
Come, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Father God, do your surgery among us today. Cut out the bad, Lord God. Cut out the sin in our lives. Heal us, oh God. Lord, there are here today. It's so deep. It's not only an act. It's a state of mind. It's caused by emotional damage or whatever. But Lord, heal us, forgive us, cleanse us. Put a new spirit within us, oh God. Lord, let us raise the standard. Help us to keep ourselves in the faith, oh God. Let us keep ourselves in the faith, oh God. Lord, your word says, we just said it, we know, we know whoever is born of God. Lord, thank you for those today that today made a, a commitment to you, maybe a recommitment, maybe somebody gave their life to you right now for the first time, but we're thankful for that. And Lord, now that we could say, uh, we know that anyone, whoever is born of God does not live in sin. We don't, we don't park there. We don't dwell there. Unfortunately, Lord, we confess we visit there and we're sorry about it. Change us, oh God. And we know that whoever is born of God keeps themselves. Lord, help us to keep ourselves. Lord, it's like the, the house has been swept up. Let us keep the house clean. Let us keep the house clean, oh God. Speak to our hearts, Lord, what we, what we have to do to keep our house clean. Only you and I know what that is. Speak, oh God, that we may know. And Lord, in that setting, the wicked one that, that harasses us, that wants to destroy us, that wants to ruin our life and our testimony, is under the blood of Jesus and has no authority over us. Hallelujah. Lord, in, in John's epistle, he wrote earlier, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world anyway. So, Lord, you are greater than any force of evil. You're greater and more powerful than any of that. And we rebuke the work of Satan and demons and evil spirits and all those things, principalities of darkness. And yes, Lord, we, we sense it everywhere. To be honest, it's everywhere, especially social media. We, we feel it. We sense it. We know it's there. But Lord, your word says as we're abiding in you, living in you, under the blood, doing our part, that that wicked one has no authority. He can't touch us. And Lord, that's good news today. That is great news today. So Lord, in closing, thank you for this song. But you are our all. You're the best. You're our joy. You are our righteousness. We stand complete in you, only in you. And that's part of the problem. We try to stand complete without you, and we can't. But today, Lord, we're in you. We're with you. So I pray, Lord God, that you would put a seal on this time. Put a seal on this. Seal it for your glory. Let nothing rob our joy. Let nothing rob our commitment. Let nothing rob our, our newfound uh, desire to be right and stay right with you. Lord, as we walk out these doors, let us realize we are now in the right position to tell somebody about the God that we serve. We're a clean vessel. Let us stay clean. Let us stay right. Let us stay good. Let us stay usable, Lord, in your hands. So, Father, I pray your blessing over everyone here, everyone on the live stream. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Blessing, Lord. Uh, spiritual provision. I pray for the joy of the Lord to truly be our strength in these days. 
So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a beautiful day in your house. May we leave here encouraged and blessed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Doug, you have another song you could just sing a little bit? And if you want to linger and just worship the Lord, you can do that. If you want to fellowship, I go out you know, towards the back and give a little space up here. God bless you.